Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide. The podcast helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. I'm your host, George Kanidis, and today I want to talk to you about defining deer movement. Now, a lot of people, they get out, they're going to go deer hunting, they just walk into the woods, plop down somewhere, put up a tree stand, and then hope deer walk by. And while that certainly can work, and certainly does work, it does not consistently and reliably and effectively work. And the difference between, you know, somebody getting a deer every couple years and somebody being able to fill multiple tags in a year comes down to location, strategy, and what you can do in order to define the movement of deer. Now, deer are creatures of habit. They, they have defined patterns. It's not real complicated. Deer are going to feed five times a day on average. Five times a day, they're going to feed uh, two or three during the day and two or three at night. Depending on, you know, maybe they're, maybe part of that goes from evening to day. That's sort of how, you know, but they're, they're going to do that. They're going to bed down. Typically, deer don't travel a huge distance. They're, they're not, most deer, especially does and young bucks, they're not going to travel more than a few hundred yards in any given day on average. And even most bucks aren't going to travel a lot more than that, except during the rut season. Um, but, you know, typically a deer does not travel more than a half mile to a mile, um, you know, except for that couple weeks out of the year. You know, it, it, they're, they're very habitual. You can tell what they're going to do. And by knowing just a little bit and, and making just small edits to terrain, to habitat, you can really affect where deer go. So let me give you an example, right? This is sort of an ethereal concept. Let me try to tie this down for you guys. So one property that, that I hunt, um, it's not a big property at all. It's very small. On one side of the property, there is a fallow field. They don't plant anything there. Once every year or two or three, they come by and somebody cuts it just to just to keep it from growing up with trees and such. It's just an empty field. It's not on the property. Not really allowed to hunt it. There's like 10 feet of it on the one side that may be on the, the property I can hunt. But the field itself is, is, you know, neighboring property. And then on the other side, there is thick woods. And on the one side, there's houses. And then... The, the property that I'm on that I'm able to hunt 
it's really a travel corridor. It is the the area that does or that that or excuse me, the deer travel from where they bed to that field to eat and some other things that are around there. It's a travel zone. Deer come through there. So I went down on this one hillside where, where I hunt, and uh, there's just little trails all through it, you know, just cutting through it, just deer move through there regularly, but you never know where they're going to move through. So what I did, is I did a couple of things. I knew they travel around here. I knew where they're going. Uh, I know not exactly where they bed, but there's a few areas that are likely candidates and there's some heavy brush. So what I did was I went into the woods and I carved a trail, probably four feet wide through the heavy brush, the light brush, just a straight trail from one side of the property to the other to, to create a path of least resistance. I then created some branch trails off of that so that deer can easily get to that trail from wherever they're coming from and then they can walk that trail from where they're at towards that feeding area in that field. Then what I did, I set up a mock scrape right in the middle of that trail and of course the whole trail goes straight from one side to the other from where my tree stand is 20 yards out, right? So I've created this setup in this situation with nothing more than some clippers and a swing blade, no power tools at all, just out there with the swing blade and some clippers, made this trail, set up a mock scrape right in the middle of it. Within days, deer are using this trail like it's always been there. And the field that I, I, I went into, this is one of those fields that, you know, the field is just tall grass, but all the way around it is just thick briars and thorns and just heavy 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 growth you know up to your head it's so high it's ridiculous well I hacked a four foot doorway right through that on the path so it's the only place that it's easy for deer to go from that field out of that field onto a trail within days all the deer are using that corridor they're using that path they're using that area they're going through there. A lot of deer are using the mock scrape. They're, they're rubbing it with their heads. They're licking the licking branch. They're pawing at the ground. But they're, they're using that pathway and they're using those small feeder pathways that I created. Of course, all around exactly where I've got the best spot to hunt, where I've got easy access, where I've got the tree stand already set up. And I'm defining their movement patterns. There's all different ways you can do this. Uh, literally, I, I don't. It was a half day's work, just clear and brush, and then boom, it, it was just like automatic, excellent hunting area. But deer follow the path of least resistance, and they're always going from something to something. They don't wander aimlessly. So if you can understand where they're going, what they're looking for, and you can either learn that pattern and then adjust where you can hunt or you can adjust those patterns to be more favorable to you. So for example, you can set up a mock scrape. I did an entire episode about this a couple episodes ago. Go ahead, download that. There's videos that you can grab on the, in the show notes on the website at newhuntersguide.com, but a whole episode on mock scrapes. Another thing you can do is a water hole. 
You can literally get a, a half-gallon drum or um, any number of cheap, you know, 50 to 100-gallon tanks. You can dig a hole, put that down in there, fill it with water. If it's an area that deer don't have a lot of water, it's on high ground, you create a stopping point where they're probably going to stop every day or every other day as they're walking through that area. And then, of course, you, you, you set up a trail cam on that water hole and on that mock scrape. And if you, you cut a trail like I did through a thick area that you know they travel, you set up a, a trail cam on that. You can get a good inventory of all the deer that are in that area. So you've got these different things you can do to define deer movement patterns. You could do a food plot. Food plots don't have to be real big. People seem to think, oh, I don't have 10 acres. You can do a quarter acre food plot. The idea, now we're talking about hunting, right? And, and what I think food plots, you know, people plant wheat and they plant grain and they plant corn. And I'm thinking of planting clover. Something that's going to grow, be a perennial. I don't want to have to plant every year. I don't want to spend money putting food in the ground for deer. To me, that is, you know, maybe if I had more resources than I do, I would think of that as viable. But from where I'm coming at it, you know, one of the things that's good about deer is it is the food is costing me less money than if I would go to the store. And maybe one day that'll change and, and it'll be, you know, more recreation than it is function. But at the moment, that's how I see it. And if you're new to hunting, you might see it that way too. Uh, so I don't want to spend hundreds of dollars every year planting food for deer. But I might spend $50 once planting clover, clear an area out. I mean, we're talking quarter acre, eighth of an acre. The idea here is not to feed the deer year round, but it's to put a place where, for them to browse on their way towards a dinner. So deer are going to come in the afternoon or in the morning for midday. They're going to browse. They're going to look for something easy, something simple. They're going to, in the, you get into the hunting season, you're going to be looking at brush, brush and twigs and, and whatever they can get. Uh, but they're going to go from where they're bedding. They're going to go, they're going to have a browse meal. And then they're going to go for their late afternoon or evening meal. And you're not trying to be the place that feeds the deer and keeps them alive, you're just putting something in an area that gives them a reason to go there or stop there on their way to wherever they're going to eat. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. So you're creating a, a, a habitat feature or improvement. You're clearing some area. I mean, an eighth of an acre is not real big. Literally in an afternoon with a swing blade and some clippers, you can probably clear something like that. You don't have to chop down a bunch of huge trees. You can take out some small ones. All you need is a little sunshine on the ground in that area, and you can plant something like clover, which is cheap, which an eighth of an acre is going to cost you hardly anything. And you can plant that, seed it real good. You can come back in a couple weeks, seed it again. That stuff's going to come up year after year. You don't have to take care of it. You don't have to keep planting it. Oh, you might have to mow it once a year just so big stuff doesn't grow up in there. You know, the maintenance is minimal, but you're creating a place. It doesn't have to be a circle. You could have a trail that's already there. And you go in and you just widen that trail out and plant some clover in there. And then boom. There's all sorts of different things that you can plant that are deer-like, that provides them with nutrition, that gives them enough reason to modify their movement patterns just a little so that as they're going from point A to point B, now they're including your area on their way to and from morning or evening where they're coming from or where they're going because they can grab a couple nibbles there. It's a safe area. It's not within, you know, you can't see it. It's not... Excuse me, it's not something that's easily seen from a house or a road. There's some shelter there. And then all of a sudden you've created a place that where you're not feeding the deer all that they need to survive. You're just giving them a place to stop and nibble, just like a water hole. You put a, a 50 or 100 gallon water hole there. You may have to refill that once or twice a season. Or if it's the right kind of area, you can sink that hole a little bit lower then the ground around it, you can just with a rake and a shovel grade that ground towards it so that when it rains, water literally feeds into that hole and keeps it filled. Then all you got to do is put a stick in that hole so if a squirrel or something falls in, it can climb off out through the stick. That's it. Deer will use that, you know, especially when it's hot in the fall until it freezes over if it's in an area that doesn't have a lot of water. The place I was telling you about earlier that, that I had set up and, and done some clearing and made some paths, there's water all over the place. So there's no need, no use for a water hole. Um, there's a field right there. So that's already defining deer movement. Putting in a food plot there is not a critical thing because there's already something there. So in that case, the deer are already moving through there. I was just trying to define their movement, give them a focal point to with the mock scrape, something to go to and, and pause at, literally just long enough to get a shot. But if you have, depending on the, the, the habitat that you're at, you might do a mock scrape. You might cut some trails. You might do a water hole. You might do a food plot. Um, there's all sorts of things that you can do that will define deer movement and give them a reason to come through an area, give them a focal point, and then you can set up at the right place 
in that zone and you can, I'm not talking about just increasing your odds for success. I'm talking about multiplying your odds for success. I've gone out and just said, okay, well, deer are probably around here. I'm just going to sit here and hope that I get one. Never once has that worked out for me. Not one time. Um, even the times I've done that and seen deer, I've still never been able to take one. What works is that you set up, you, you do some recon. If you can't do habitat improvements, you at least find where the deer are. You under learn their movement patterns, where are they coming from, where are they go until you study the land, and then you set up in an ideal place. Now, some people say, well, if I hunt on public land, I can't modify the landscape. That may be true depending on your state and jurisdiction. You may not be able to set up a mock scrape or a water hole. But, I mean, let's think, a mock scrape, you can probably get away with that in a lot of places. I mean, you, you could cut a vine from your own land, take it in, and then you could, uh, using another vine or a piece of grass or whatever, tie it to a, a, an overhang branch. No rope, no ladders, no nothing. It's all natural. You could probably get away with that. You might not be able to do a water hole or a food plot or clearing trails. But in those situations, you need to, you need to study where are the deer coming from, where are they going to, what is their movement pattern, and then where can you set up to, to take the, the, the biggest advantage of that. So I hope this is helpful for you guys. As I said before, this is one of the things that makes the difference in being successful randomly and being able to be successful season after season. Um, and as someone who was years without being successful, I learned some of these things the hard way. And you're thinking, well, I just want to go out and, and just, you know, I want it to be all natural. And this idea is sort of pops into, into our minds. Well, I don't want, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to study. I don't want to scout. I don't want to do recon. I don't want to cut any brush. I don't want to hang a scrape. I don't want to dig a water hole. I don't want to do anything. I just want to go out and, you know, hope that deer are there and walk in front of me. That's not hunting. In, in, in the fullest sense, that's not really hunting. Hunting is, it's a, it's, game's not the right word, but it, it, it's a game of skill. It's a game of strategy. It's a game of experience. It's a game of learning the landscape, learning the terrain, learning the animals, learning their habits, and then positioning yourself, doing what you can do to, to give yourself the best chance of success and getting whatever game you're going after. If it's a buck or a doe or a turkey or whatever it is, it is about skill. It's about the chase. It's about uh, using everything you can use to your advantage. Um, so, you know, th this whole idea of, let me just walk into the woods and sit down and hope a deer comes by that, that doesn't work. That, that has never really worked. I mean, anybody can get lucky once in a while, but that's not the way that it works. Native Americans didn't do it that way. Nobody's ever done it that way and been successful at it. It takes skill. It takes experience. It takes strategy. And these tips are, it's, it's all about applying these things and trying to do what you can do in order to influence um, deer movement. 
Now, I'm not, I'm not one that's all about going out and just planting 20 acres of wheat so deer come there and then you can shoot them. To me, I don't have anything against that philosophically, um, but it's about, it's not economical to me. It's not, you know, if I'm going to spend thousands of dollars every year planting food so I can shoot a deer, to me, the math there doesn't balance. Maybe if I had 10 times more money than I do, I, I would, you know, I would see that. It wouldn't matter. It would just be, you know, just the cost of the sport. But to me, that's not, that's not economical. That's not, it doesn't work for new hunters, um, you need to use strategy. You need to use the resources you have available. You need to use your smarts. You need to do a little, you know, you might need to put a little sweat equity into it. Uh, but you shouldn't have to spend thousands of dollars in order to, you know, to do this. So take that for what it's worth. Head to the website, newhuntersguide.com. See the show notes for this episode. Check out some of the other episodes that we've already done along this topic, like mock scrapes and trail cams and everything else that's coming out, that has come out and will come out. Uh, Till next time, God bless you guys and go get them in the woods. that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western oh, i'll be over there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv